0: All right. Hello and good evening. Uh, welcome to tonight's Bible study. Uh, are you feeling the pollution of air at your end? <laughs> uh, we we have we have we have been feeling it. You know, uh, excuse me. The poor air quality uh, due to the Canadian wildfire smoke in the eastern part of Canada. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's making some of our lives unbearable. I think from New Hampshire to South Carolina, all that stretch, uh, suffering from the pollution. <laughs> it teaches us a great lesson. Nobody has a private life. We are interpersonal, interrelated, interconnected, and whatever you do hurts me. Can you imagine that another country that is having pollution or having wildfire smoke? We will bear the brunt of the pollution. Amen. But anyway, please wear your marks when you step outside. And if you are driving, please be extra cautious because um it looks very dense and very foggy, uh, which can be very dangerous. Amen. Anyway, these two shall pass. Let's get right into it with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for. Tonight, as we come before your word, we pray that you will minister to us in simplicity and clarity of speech, yet in the fullness and in the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, we looked at the parable of the seed that grows from Mark chapter 4, verse 26 to 29. And we learned that the word of God as a seed is a factor to our growth and fruitfulness and also the condition of our hearts, which symbolized soil, good ground, or the earth, uh, also plays another factor. So when we decide to live by the word, the fruits of our conviction, which leads to action, starts in small incremental steps. So I believe last week we were very encouraged. We looked at the the, the visual um, image of the growth of a corn, you know how it, it grows from a seed to a to a to a corn plant and then to a corn field. It takes time. It, it takes time. Amen. So um, the shot of it all is that a harvest of a transformed life filled with the blessings of God doesn't happen overnight. Anybody you have seen that has choked some some growth, or, or let me say, let me use spiritual maturity. It didn't come overnight. It's time. It's process. And let us not be so much in a hurry, but let's work the process. I mean, we can't cheat the process. Yeah, a little, there a little. And that's how we grow. Amen. Alright. So I believe that that parable encouraged us that um, the Word of God has a seed working. Uh, as far as that the, the, the receptivity of our hearts is good, like the soil. And, and how do you know that the receptivity of your heart? You accept the heart the Word, mix it with faith, obey it, apply it. That is receptivity of the heart. Amen. All right. Please stand with me to Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9. believe the message is on our podcast so you can listen to it and, and gain more understanding on, on that parable. We said a lot last week, but let's move on to tonight's study. Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9. Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none then he said to the keeper of his vineyard look for three look for three years i've come seeking fruits on this victory and find none. cut it down why does it use up the ground but he answered and said to him sir let it alone this year also until i dig around it and fertilize it and if it bears fruit well but if not after that you can cut it down amen so tonight from our reading we are looking at the parable of the barren fig tree like we've been stressing which is worth repeating uh never interpret a parable without looking at the context of the scripture so this scripture that we've just read we've just read the parable but you need to ask yourself a question what Is the context of this parable. Amen. Uh, Parables are not meant for us to add our own spin and then call it revelation. That's not how we, we, we deal with parables. The literal interpretation of Jesus is the revelation when it comes to parables. And there are many parables in the Bible. Jesus will follow it up with an interpretation. That is the revelation. Now, in some cases where he is silent, you have to look at the context and then get an accurate interpretation. So this scripture is one of them. And and this parable we look at is sort of a subtext. What what do I mean when we say a subtext? It's an implied meaning behind a spoken word or a text. So parable can serve as that too as well, as, as a subtext. So for us to understand tonight's parable let's do a bit of reading from the first five verses and then we will look at why jesus had to use this parable amen so luke chapter 13 verses 1 to 5 there were present at that season some who told him about the galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Verse 4. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Very interesting story. You know what? This scripture should let us know that Bartheson's happen to good people. Jesus had just been told of Pontius Pilate killing two Galileans. And just from this nature, you can see that it was very gruesome and very barbaric. You know, he mingled the blood of the victims with his sacrifices to his God. And Jesus is saying that Do you think that they suffer these things because they are worse sinners? (laughs) And Jesus said, no. They do not suffer these things because they are worse sinners. Bad things happen to good people. Never forget that. And Jesus said that, what about the 18 people who died as a result of the Tower of Siloam falling on them? Were they any worse? Were they sinners than those who dwell in Jerusalem? No. Bad things happen to good people. But now, Jesus took these two events to make a point that everyone will experience God's judgment irrespective of how you die. Your death can be gruesome or you might die as a result of Age, you know, you sleep and you don't wake up, or any other cause of death. It doesn't matter. We will all still experience God's judgments. And there are two key words Jesus mentioned here that we have to take notice of repent in verse 3, repent in verse 5. So these tragedies that Jesus spoke about he used it to emphasize the need to repent so jesus used that to talk about repentance when he heard of the the galileans who had had a gruesome death he used it to stress on repentance and then he used the story of the 18 people who died as a result of the tower of Siloam falling on them To stress and talk on repentance. This is talking to us. So the first five is talking to us about repentance. We have to live a continual life of repentance, for we never know what day is our last. We don't know. Humans, whether saved or unsaved, need to live a continual life of repentance. And what is repentance? Contrary to popular belief and opinion, it doesn't mean feeling sorry or crying. That's not repentance. The literal meaning of repentance means to change your mind. Change your mind. Change your mind. mind. So it just doesn't have to do with the unbeliever. It also has to do with the believer. When we read the Word of God, the Bible says that the Word of God renews our mind. And when the Word of God renews our mind, we will not walk according to the customs of this world. That is repentance. That's a form of repentance. So every time we are reading the Word of God, we are changing our mind. We are changing our mind from the world's way of doing things. To the word, the word's way of doing things. Anytime we read the word of God, we are shifting ourselves from the world's way of thinking to the word, the word's way of thinking. Anytime we read the word of God, we are changing thoughts, we are exchanging patterns, we are exchanging strongholds that we have in our mind for new thoughts, and new strongholds, which are Christian in our mind. So changing the mind, that's repentance. And when we repent, the result of that is that our hearts change and then it affects our actions. But yeah, I talking about a life of repentance here. That yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that Those Galileans were killed by Pilate. And let's also not forget about the recent tragedy of the 18 people who died as a result of the Tower of Siloam falling on them. But the truth of the matter is that we all need to come to a place of repentance because you don't know neither the day nor hour when it will be your last day. And if you don't repent, you will perish. Jesus was not PC with the truth. He wasn't. And looking at this story, Jesus had a lot of empathy for the murdered. You might think he didn't, but he did. Because as gruesome as their deaths were, he was more concerned about the plight of their soul. Where would they spend eternity? That's what matters more to Jesus, not the gruesome nature of their death. But after all is said and done, they've crossed over from this world now into a place of eternity. Where will their souls be? So the truth conveyed in this message or in this narrative is repentance. So in light of this context, What does the parable of the barren fig tree teach us? Well, the story that we just read in Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9, we see some characters. We see the owner of the vine. He owns the vine. We see the fig tree. We see the keeper of the vineyard. And then fruits as characters in the parable we just read. So, the vine dresser or the person that owns the vine is God. The fig tree is us. The fruits is evidence of our Christian calling. By their fruits, you shall know them. Are we giving birth to the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control is evidence of our Christian calling. Are uh, our speech seasoned with grace? Like the Bible says, let your speech be seasoned with salt, always with grace. Colossians 4, 5. Fruits. So there are, are things outwardly that distinctly marks us as Christians. You know, when you read the book of Acts, I like one of the chapters. It says that these Pharisees, they looked at Peter and Paul and they realized they had been with Jesus. Why? Because fruits. They could just tell. They could just tell. It wasn't just the preaching. They they could tell by their life, their manner of life. Our, Our manner of life is fruits. So evidence of our Christian calling. And the keeper, the keeper of the vine, is Christ. Amen. So the the, the shot of this parable this evening talks to us about God looked for fruits worthy of repentance and our vocation. But he found none. He looked at Israel. He looked at the people of their day. He didn't find any fruits worthy of their calling, worthy of their repentance. And the Lord, who is the keeper of Israel and also the keeper of our souls, stepped in our place to prevent judgments from God by dying for us on the cross so that we can be regenerated and live a life of repentance. You see, if it wasn't Christ's love and Christ's death, we would have all been judged. So not just Israel, but also we have to see ourselves in this story. All of us would have been judged. And it is fair for us to be judged because God is righteous. It is fair for us to be judged because God is a God of justice. But God didn't judge us because of the Son. When you read the story carefully, The owner told the keeper of the vineyard, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? And then the keeper responded by saying, let it alone this year until I dig around it and fertilize it. That is the keeper of the vineyard working on the vine to make sure that it will be primed to come to a place of bearing for fruits. Jesus intervened so that you and I will not be judged. Jesus intervened so that you and I will not be sent to hell. Jesus intervened so that he will work on us and prime us as properly to a place where we will be eligible to give birth fruits worthy of repentance. Fruits worthy of our calling. Amen. So he died on the cross. And dying on the cross held the judgment. It didn't postpone the judgment. It just held the judgment in place. So the three years that the keeper talked about, it represents the dispensation. We have to get it right. And the dispensation of grace is today. We are living in that dispensation. Why do you, why do you think we are in 2023? Do you think it's because of the cosmic powers Of the earth. Do you think it has something to do with galaxy and science? No, we are in 2023 because of God's mercies. Because He is waiting on man to come to a place of repentance and bear forth fruits worthy of repentance. And please understand this important truth about a dispensation. It is a time period with a start date and an end date. Dispensation is not eternity. Dispensation is not everlasting. Dispensation is a time period. It has a start date and it has an end date. So this dispensation of grace that we are enjoying today where we are experiencing God's riches. And when I'm talking about riches, I'm referring to the riches of his love, God's mercies, God's tender kindness, the grace of God that has been showered upon us. We are experiencing all this for a reason. Why? Because man has to come to a place of repentance. And you don't just have to come to a place of repentance but you have to live a life of continual repentance because one day this dispensation is going to be over. And when it's over, we are going to be judged. Amen. Look with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. 2 Peter 3, verse 8 to 10. Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack. Other versions use the Lord is not slow. Never think that the Lord is slow. Never think that the Lord is slow. He's not slow. He's not slow concerning his promise. And what is the promise? The promise that he will come back again. The Lord is not slow. Maybe you heard that the Lord was coming in 1986. We are in 2023. Don't think the Lord is slow. Don't think the Lord is slow. During the World War II, legend has it that many evangelists were preaching that it's the end of the world because they hadn't seen anything like World War II and the killing of the Israelites. They, They believed it was just the end of the world. But after after World War II, many years have passed by. And if my memory serves me right, World War II was between forty five to forty seven. After that, we are still living. We have entered into the 20s. I, I remember when we were even in the 19s. We were not even sure what the new millennium held. We were not sure whether we are even going to enter into the new millennium. Now, we are 23 years into it, the new millennium, which is the 2000s. Why? It's because of God's mercy. He is not slow. Never forget that. Concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. So the reason why you and I are seeing 2023 is because of God's long-suffering. God is long-suffering. He's long-suffering toward us. And why is God exhibiting long-suffering toward us? Look at it. Not willing. God doesn't will. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is why God hasn't come. This is why we haven't experienced Judgment Day yet. The reason why today we are in this day, June seventh, 2023, on a Wednesday evening, is because of God's long-suffering towards the whole of humanity. He is not willing that any should perish. Think of the most wicked person in your mind. The Lord is not willing that he or she should perish. Think of the person with the most abominable acts. The Lord is not willing that he or she should perish. Think of the worst sinner or the the most heathen among sinners. The Lord is not willing that he should perish. Think of the undespicable. The Lord is not willing that they should perish. Think of the atheist who says there is no God. And the Bible says the person that says there is no God is a fool. The Lord is not willing that he should perish. Why? Because he wants all to come to repentance. That is why he is long-suffering. The reason why people are making mockery of, oh, God is not going to come, and, you know, it's funny, haha, God is not coming, you guys are serving a God of fantasy. You know, the Lord allows himself to be ridiculed, to be made a subject of scorn and mockery because he's exhibiting wrong suffering towards all of us, including the mockers, so that they will not perish. Why? So that they will all come to repentance. The fig tree, the fig tree was not yielding forth fruits, but he didn't cut it down because he listened to the keeper of the vineyard who said that, let's dig around it. Let me fertilize it. If it gives birth, fine. If it doesn't, then you cut it down. The Lord has held his judgments for such a time as this so that all of us can come to repentance so today we are experiencing the long suffering of god irrespective of all the evils that are going on in this world we are experiencing the long suffering of god because the lord does not want anybody anybody to perish he wants all of us to come to repentance verse 10 at the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in will be burned up. Man, the day that the Lord will appear is going to be terrifying. The Bible says that the earth and the heavens are going to give way. Because anyway, when God comes, it will be the folding up of this heaven and this earth. We will live in, in on a new earth and a new heaven, according to scriptures. All this will be bent up. Whatever that you are seeing, that you are admire, it will be bent up to make way for the new Jerusalem. Amen. One scripture that I remember is Malachi chapter 3 verse 2. The prophet asked the question, who can endure the day of his coming? Well, he was talking about Jesus. That's, that scripture in question was about Jesus. He will come as a refiner and a laundry soup. But in that same spirit, this question is worth asking. Who can endure the day of the Lord's coming? We have to all come to a place of repentance. That is why God is long suffering towards us so that we will not perish. So in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to 10, note three things: God's timing. God's grace, God's judgment. His timing. God doesn't move in our time and with our calendar. He doesn't. God is not moving according to January to December. God is not moving to from 12 midnight to 11.59 and then the cycle continues. God doesn't move in our time. He doesn't move on our calendar. That's why His coming is a mystery. That is why you can't believe any pastor, any prophet, anybody who calls himself a man of God, who will give you the exact date of the coming of the... You, you can't calculate it. I, I've seen some funny theologians who have tried to calculate it. You can't calculate it because, one, he is not moving on our time schedule. God doesn't move in GMT. He doesn't move in Eastern Standard Time or Pacific Standard Time or Central Standard Time. God moves according to his own time. It's time. It, it doesn't fit into our time. By the way, our time was created by man. I hope you are aware of that. Twelve midnight to eleven fifty-nine in the evening. Our calendar was created by man. Gregorian calendar. Okay, we've gone through many evolving years of changing calendars, which I wouldn't want to go into. So God doesn't move according to our time. He doesn't move according to our calendar. So you have to understand God's timing. That is why Apostle Peter says that a day in the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. God doesn't move in our time and it doesn't move according to our calendar. That's why we have to understand the timing of God. His time is not our time. Amen. That's why his coming is a mystery. One of the ways to know a false prophet is Anybody who will predict to you the Lord is coming 2024 2020 that's that's a lie, that's a lie because he doesn't move according to this time doesn't move according to Gregorian calendar January to December it doesn't move according to Greenwich greenwich meridian time pacific standard time eastern standard time central standard time mountain standard time and what have you he doesn't move according to any of those times he moves in his time that's like what we said so we have to understand timing that's what the scripture is teaching us number two we have to understand his grace God's grace is long-suffering because he wants no one to perish. That's why, personally, I don't believe that God has intentionally selected people who will go to heaven and this group will go to hell. I don't believe that. Because when we read the scripture, it debunks that theory. God doesn't want anyone to perish. That means the salvation, called the salvation, Invitation is open to everybody. That's why when you read John 3, verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that whosoever, okay, not some selected few, but whosoever believes in him will not perish, but he will have everlasting life. So God hasn't earmarked certain people for destruction and certain people to experience heaven's bliss. God wants all of us to come to a place of repentance. Otherwise, we will perish. So in this scripture, we see God's grace. He's long-suffering because he doesn't want anyone to perish. So I don't, I don't, I don't believe that theology. The, the theology of election. Where people will say that God has already chosen people who are gonna be with him. So why we, why should we preach the gospel? Whosoever. It's a whosoever call. It's not a selected few. God doesn't want just a select few to come to heaven. God wants the whole world to come to heaven. But if the choice is yours. Whosoever will. We. Have to come to a place of repentance. Amen. And then number three, his judgments. God is going to come back. So no matter how much you will judge him to be slow and slack concerning his promise of he's going to come back, he ain't coming, he's going to come. And he's going to come unexpectedly. A thief never announces his arrival. Have you experienced a thief before? They they come unannounced. God's coming will be unannounced. That is why when we live a life continual of repentance, we will not be blindsided because we will be ready. Amen. So to bring our point home for tonight, this parable is talking about the essence of repentance. We need to live a life of repentance to avoid the judgment of the Lord on the last day. Amen. So that's it for tonight. Sometimes we have to talk about the coming of the Lord. We we don't. And we become too relaxed, too settled. We have a settled mentality. But the Bible wants us to have a pilgrim's mentality. Or exegenous mentality. We are just passing by. We, 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 sometimes we have too much of a settled, a settled life. As if this is it. This this is not it. It's not, it's not, it's, this is not the finality. There is a finality that will come. And that is if we are Christians, if we are born again, if we are living a life worthy of repentance which corresponds with the fruit that is coming out of us, we will get to reign with Christ forever and ever in the hereafter. Expect that. Let that be at your forefront. Think about eternity a bit more. For some of us, maybe this parable has come to us out of our slumber to think of eternity a bit more. You are becoming too layered with the pleasures of this life. This is not it. A time will come, we will have to be judged. And if you are not living a life of continual repentance, like Jesus said, you will perish. Jesus was not PC with the truth. And I don't think with people's souls at stake, preachers can afford to be peace with the truth. If you don't live a life of continual repentance as the Bible has prescribed for us so that we can live a life worthy of repentance with our fruits and come to a place where we will reign with Christ forever, likewise we will also perish. But I pray tonight that may none of us perish. May we receive this word in good faith Maybe we live a life of continual repentance. And like I explained, repentance doesn't mean feeling sorry or crying. Repentance means a change of mind. So start with reading the Word of God. Change your mind. Change your, your, your pattern of thinking. Change your cycle of thoughts. Exchange your ideas you had from the world for the ideas. That is repentance. And it's only through that avenue that will affect our hearts for us to give birth to fruits. The Lord will look at you. He will look at the fruits. What fruit do you have? By their fruits, you will know them. Matthew 7. He's going to look at fruits. It's not just, I praise you, O Lord. Where are your fruits? Do you have fruits worthy of repentance? Do you have fruits worthy of your confession, worthy of your calling? Do you have fruits? So today, like Apostle Paul will say, 2 Corinthians 13:5. Examine yourself whether you've been examine yourself whether you are in the faith. Examine your fruits. What fruits am I giving birth to? What fruits am I have I given birth ever since I've become a Christian? Do I have fruits that can show of the truth? I am a Christian. Because that is what it means to live a life worthy of repentance. Amen. I'm done for tonight. So tonight, Christ has conveyed to us the essence of living a life of continual repentance by giving us a parable of the barren fig tree. And if you don't have fruits, thank God for his long suffering, which came as a result of his grace. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. So there is hope. If you are alive, there is hope. He's waiting on you. Amen. I hope we all learned something tonight. I'm done. God bless you. Before then, let me announce, June 24th, that's two Wednesdays from now, we'll be having a Q&A, okay? So I'll not be teaching. I think on, on June 24th, that's two Wednesdays from now. I'll just do a summary of what I've thought on the parables and then we'll take questions. so the Q and a will be on parables any message you have heard this year or in times but that you need clarity on or any topic in general you might want to know a topic something in general you could ask that question so that'll be june twenty fourth so please just' start writing down your questions. Just start writing it down because. Sometimes when it comes to these, you will just be looking at me in subspace and that won't help. Amen. Right, write it down. Then once it's over, that's like, oh, I wish I would have asked this question. So think about your questions now. Start writing them now. And June 24th, you are gonna do that. The last Wednesday of June. Amen. All right. I'm done. Who has learned anything for, for today? If you have any contribution? The floor is open. Amen. If not, then we'll just close early. I also like to close early. Amen. We're done. God bless you.
1: So, are you doing uh, contributions and questions?
0: Yeah, we have anything you can you can talk. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay.
0: Know, uh, what... know, just close.
1: Oh, I see, I see, yeah. I see. Okay. Uh, I I really liked the, um, I really like the parable you shared uh this evening. So God bless you for for everything. Um, you, you as always you have said some very powerful truths. And um, I feel like we can easily just go over them um, and not appreciate um, some of the things that were said. Mm -hmm. The picture of the vine dresser and the fig tree is actually very, very powerful. I mean, I don't know how many times I've read this passage, but for whatever reason, when you were reading it out loud today, um, it just hit me so, so powerfully. Um, Jesus, Jesus is the vine dresser and he rescued that tree from destruction, you know, and each of us was that barren tree, you know, before we met Christ, we were gonna be cut off, like like we didn't matter or we didn't didn't exist. Uh, but because of Jesus, the blood in His sacrifice, because He came down, that's the that's the uh, the vine dresser saying, "Let me give this tree a chance first, give it a chance first, before we decide that it truly is barren." And it really hit me hard uh, today as as you were teaching because, um, you know, we sometimes I think we cut ourselves short or maybe we cut God off short, the God in us short, because we are truly fruitful trees that compare fruit and we are not looking at it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I think that uh, when we look at ourselves as that tree that was once barren and because of Christ, we can produce fruit. This is our opportunity to produce fruit. What are we doing with the opportunity Jesus has given us? Um, and I think it it is very powerful. So God bless you. Thank you. That's my contribution for the evening.
2: Amen. All
0: right. Who else? I contribution.
2: Yeah, I have a question. Since we should always be
0: in mind, uh, in repentance mood, is it okay to pray for, pray the sinners pray every morning when you wake up? Oh, okay. To be, to be sure. All right, it's, it's a very good that's, question. That's a very good
1: question.
0: It's a, it's a, it's a very good question. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's a very good question. My answer is no. You don't have to pray the sinner's prayer every day because that is not what really matters. What matters is after you have prayed the sinner's prayer, what happened next? If you feel the assurance of God's love, if you feel the assurance that God is your father, one, that shows that you are a believer. Because you can't be a believer feeling this naturally. You're not going to feel it naturally. So you don't have to pray the sinner's prayer. Now, do we have to live a life of continual repentance? Yes. And what does it mean to live a life of continual repentance? It means we have to change our thinking. So Romans 12, verse 1 to 2 is a typical example. If we want to... Present our bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This too is very important. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. You see, a transformed mind has yielded itself to repentance. And what's that repentance? By renewing your mind with the word of God. So do we need to live a life of repentance? Yes. Do we need to confess the sinner's prayer at all times? Once you have confessed the sinner's prayer, once you have the assurance in your heart that I am a believer, God is my father, you are good. But do I need to live a life of repentance? Yes, you need to live a life of repentance daily. Repentance doesn't just stop at the altar when you say the sinner's prayer and you think, I surrender all. It doesn't just end there. When we become Christians, we still have to live a life of prayer. That's why in my opening remarks, I said that humans, whether saved or unsaved, have to live a life of continual repentance. So yes, we need to live a life of continual repentance. And the evidence of that doesn't mean you say the sinner's prayer over and over again. In fact, when you are saying the sin is real over and over again, it means even a lack of faith. And the Bible says, whatever you do, which is not of faith, it is sin. Amen. So you don't want to also sin <laughs> by doing things out of doubts. Amen. So uh, I think that'll be it. Amen. Amen okay is there one else your question answered
2: well yes
0: okay all right well if we don't have anything then let's just close with a word of prayer Let's just pray that, Lord, help us to live a life of continual repentance. May we come to a place of yielding, yielding. The song that I think of is, I say yes, oh yes, to your will and to your way. I say yes, Lord, yes, I'll trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks through me, with my whole heart I agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. That is a prayer of yieldedness, a life of repentance. May we come to a place where we will live a yielded and a consecrated life and we will be open to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will work effectively in our lives when our lives is renewed. When, when we don't make it a habit to read the Word of God, our minds become seared and sometimes it becomes very difficult to Receive the signal of the spirit. So let's we pray that Lord, may we yield, may we yield to Your ways. Let's begin to pray. Thank You, Father. Oh God, thank You, Jesus.
2: I don't know Sierra, y sierra. The earth was sand. The sea was sand. The sea was sand. The sea was sand. The sea was it follows after you,
0: Lord. Lord, may we live a life of yieldedness, a life of consecration, where we will continually change our minds and our thoughts, where our thoughts, our minds, our behavior will conform with the written word of God. Let this be our prayer tonight, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Please do listen to the message again. And I believe that as you listen, may the Lord speak to you and reveal to you the deeper treasures that is in his word. Enjoy the rest of your week. Good night.